0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the preamble for Electric Liberty Land 138. Uh, How about this time? I just remind you again the football season is upcoming and you should be joining the Lions of Liberty pride to gamble with me, with Rico, with John Odermatt, maybe even Mark. I don't know if he's going to get in it or not, but we do our annual leagues where you can win free Lions of Liberty merch by beating the Lions. It is free to play, although, of course, you have to pay to support the show. But still, come on, try your metal, test your strength, prove that, be you man or woman, you can take us down, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey! hey baby what's happening everybody this is brian McWilliams, your beautiful host here on electric liberty land and this is episode number 138 meaning you can find all the show notes at com forward slash ell 138 thanks for joining me on this liberty cruise wherein all of the lifesavers are made of drugs so you might die but you'll have a great time doing it you ever see that episode of uh what was it uh Shit, that fantasy football show, The League, where a guy finds a toilet seat in the dumpster. I think his name's Taco on the show. And uh, he sits on the toilet seat because he presumes it's just a regular toilet seat. Now, granted, why you would dig a toilet seat out of the dumpster to sit on, it brings its own questions. But the man was hilarious and didn't mind these kind of things. Sits on the toilet seat and he becomes addicted to sitting on the toilet seat because that toilet seat was made of folded and molded cocaine that was brought over by <laughs> some Mexican cartels. Very funny watching him get addicted to sitting on the crapper. And I probably have fantasy football in the brain as the season is upcoming. We've got our... Well, we're we're up in the, in the air right now. I think we're going to do one big league for our Pride members to join in, as we did last year, which is always fun. So, got to keep that in mind. Got my draft picks all lined up. I know half of you care. Half of you could give two shits about anything I'm going to do with sports, but... I think it's fun. And uh, the people in the Lions of Liberty Pride love it. But uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I feel I have to address this now because Mark tweeted it out. But I woke up with a headache today and did not drink last night, did not drink the day before. Just, is there anything more aggravating than waking up, not having had a wonderful time the night before? Right? I mean, if I wake up with a headache... I better either, number one, be sick with the flu, where I know I'm going to wake up feeling shitty, or I better have had some drinks the night before. I better have been howling at the moon. I better have been feeling good. Making some bad choices. Going out, skateboarding, holding two full cups of yogurt. You know, just throwing caution to the wind. Going out to a buffet and eating oysters. Like, kind of like what I did in, in New Orleans. It got me so sick. Leaving a po' boy out. For four hours while you go to the pool. <laughs> An oyster po' boy. Then coming back and eating it get drunk. But well, there's nothing worse, man. Just waking up, feeling like dump. Felt like dump all day. Feeling a little better now. I'm drinking a little red wine. That always helps. My buddy uh, Greg Hardy, I think he listens to the show. He's saying, you know, liquor cures all headaches. Uh, that's true to a certain extent. So I'm taking his advice. Sipping a little maul back here. We really need a Lions of Liberty wine sponsor or beer sponsor, guys. If you're out there, I know we've got a bunch of uh, of beer distributors out there. Our buddy Kyle, he's uh, he's a good man over at Brickstone Brewery. He's sent us some good beer in the past. But, you know, I want like a hard liquor sponsor. I want like, we've got our Narco Coffee Morning Roar. I want one of those for like, but for bourbon. I want my own line of bourbon, you know, electric, Liberty Land, tequila, even though I don't like tequila. Some sort of wine vintage. I don't know we could get them made. Actually, maybe maybe we should do that. Would you guys buy a Lions of Liberty wine if we had it made up? I was at one winery somewhere and they were like, oh yeah, you can you know, come in and you mix your own wines up and you taste test it and then we'll roll it out for you. But it seems like the cost of that wouldn't be worth it. However, I promise this to you, dear people. If I ever go to jail, I will definitely learn how to make toilet wine. And I will market it. And it will be delicious. I'm thinking maybe some, uh, some hints of cranberry, maybe a little tidy bowl. I don't know. I have to really, I have to take in the, the environment, the prison and see what it, what it speaks to me and, uh, and what I can glean from the people in there. But don't worry. I want to, I want to make this happen for you from me with love. Now today, you know, I was going to start off talking about this New York times thing. I wanted to talk about because they had a interior town hall at the new york times where in the editor called together the whole staff and this is in the wake of that changing the headline bullshit where they took a headline that was an honest headline about trump talking after the uh, the last couple shootings took place which said president urges unity uh, and you know it's something in the face of uh, you know racism or something like that all the liberals lost their minds forced the new york times to change the headline and the new york times apologized because of a factually accurate headline of the U.S. president urging unity rather than a headline that was, President urges unity but doesn't pay attention to gun control, which is what basically they ended up turning it to. Absurd. So, this editor held a town hall in the wake of that to talk about the new direction of the New York Times, and I will get into that momentarily. But first, I saw something the last couple days that just really drove me up the wall and that is Beto O'Rourke coming out, and, and essentially, in my mind, despite all of the, I mean, really elevated level of competition. I mean, we are talking like just decathletes of shit that are running for the Democratic nomination, and uh, and and what they bring to the table as far as being dangerous to liberty on many levels. But Beto O'Rourke has really sprung to the front of the pack, and I got to tell you, this most recent statement he made because I I alluded to it that he might be okay with some sort of buyback system for assault weapons, quote-unquote assault weapons. But now he's taking it to the streets, taking it to the streets by saying that he is officially in favor of a mandatory government buyback for quote-unquote assault weapons. And we all know what that means. That means cops going door to door which to me is a terrifying prospect, especially since he also builds into this new gun plan he's rolling out. And this is from, I'm taking this from a Politico story that I read, but he also wants to treat right-wing violence as an issue of organized crime. Now that to me is terrifying because number one, right-wing violence is a gigantically encompassing phrase. And also it seems to ignore the entire raft of left-wing violence, like people from Antifa Uh, that are going out there, but I won't get into that right now. But when he's saying he wants to make it a issue of organized crime, targeting right-wing violence, does that mean then that he is going to go and crack down on any members that happen to be organizations that deal with right-wing rhetoric? Uh, Does this encompass, I mean, the Proud Boys, they're already saying, oh, these are the terrorists, but I don't know, it seems like there's an awful lot of people in the Proud Boys, regardless of what you might think of them, that probably are not in there, that are not violent, that have no intention of being violent in any way or going and shooting anything up. In fact, I don't think any of the members of the Proud Boys or anybody registered as a Proud Boy has gone and shot up anybody in general. But when you get to this, again, this slippery slope, I hate to use that phrase because it's so overused now, but when we're talking about categorizing quote-unquote right-wing violence as an organized crime issue, well, now... You're going to assign federal task forces to deal with it. You're going to assign people to track and uh, monitor anybody going on to Facebook pages that are right wing, that are websites that are right wing. You could accidentally find yourself, just like we see with these these no-fly lists, where people find out, they go to the airport and they find out, oh, you know what, I can't fly anywhere because I've been looped into a no-fly list, which now I cannot get off of because of some mistake or some weird affiliation that the FBI dug up or NSA dug up. Now we're going to see this with right-wing, quote-unquote, organized crime groups. If, I, if I'm if i researching something for the show, and I try to find a manifesto, like last week, I did the manifesto, I talked about it a little bit, I read the manifesto of the El Paso shooter. If I go and read that manifesto, am I now going to be part of this, quote-unquote, organized crime ring? Am I now going to have the feds beating down my door? I mean, that is absolutely terrifying. Which is ironic in the context that Beto O'Rourke has been campaigning on the fact that Donald Trump is supposedly terrifying and terrorizing people. He says this, quote, To those places where Donald Trump is in terrorizing and terrifying and demeaning our fellow Americans, that's where you will find me in this campaign. You know what? It sounds like where I'm going to find you in your campaign is at the door of every goddamn American who might own a gun. Because there's no way for you to go and mandatorily buy back guns. People aren't going to just turn them back over. So you're going to have to go Gestapo-style, door-to-door, demanding people's ornament. Like it's the United States going through Japan and demanding they turn over their weapons, including their swords. That's how people get shot. That's where you're going to see shootouts. That's where you're going to see cops dying. I mean, if you want to know what the biggest threat to this country is, it is trying to demand people's guns back. That will cause a civil war. But not only that, you know, this is a theme here. Why Beto O'Rourke is the biggest number one threat to, to uh, liberty. Why he is enemy number one for the concept of liberty. And it's not only because of these ridiculous gun laws he's trying to propose, which of course he has the red flag laws in place. He wants those to come through naturally. Not only that, he wants to hold internet companies accountable for hate speech online. Okay, so not only does he want to take back your guns, so he wants to take your Second Amendment rights away, but he also wants to take your First Amendment rights away. Because what's going to happen if you demand that these online platforms censor any sort of quote-unquote hate speech or quote-unquote violent speech is that nobody's going to be able to talk about anything. And And it's not just a simple matter of, okay, we now have to police it more. How would you possibly police it? You're going to have algorithms now that automatically deplatform somebody for making reference. And you're going to see just like we've seen with Ford Fisher. I mentioned him last show. I mentioned him again this show where people get demonetized. People get kicked off platforms for simply mentioning something in the context of a news or arguing a counterpoint to it. Because algorithms just aren't that smart. And these companies cannot make a profit If they have to hire people 24-7 human beings to go through and decide, oh, well, what was the context this person made it in? Oh, well, that's right. And if they don't know the context, they start booting people off. Well, people are just going to stop going on there. That's it. Goodbye, social media. Game over. Just absolutely idiotic. But again, it's not just the guns. Of course, Beto O'Rourke is also a big supporter of the Green New Deal. Thinks that we have to do something, have to get that in there. So he wants to take your guns away. He wants to take away your First Amendment rights. He also wants to bankrupt the country. He wants to take away your ability. Because The new, York, new New Green Deal, remember, called for things like taking away your ability to fly, taking away your ability to uh, to have your home, because they want to tear all that down and rebuild it with brand new homes. He wants to basically bankrupt the country. He wants to hyperinflate your dollar. He wants to make sure you can't travel and escape because... I mean, hell, if you can't fly, you have very limited options as where you could go to get out of the United States. It's just, he is the most despicable of all candidates. The only thing he's remotely good on, and Bernie Sanders is good on this as well, is justice reform. Which is kind of funny because he wants to reform the justice system by, you know, lowering the standards for... Uh, what people have to do to get in prison. He wants to absolve crimes for weed possession, which is great. He wants to cut the prison population down. He wants to eliminate all private prisons. All right, we're for-profit prisons. Not Again, not that I'm a big proponent of prisons in general, but I think that that's kind of stupid. But at least he wants to address the issues in the justice system. And I'll give him credit for that. Bernie Sanders in the same vein, lower the prison population, get people out. And also, Beto O'Rourke wants to give people the right to vote back, which is fantastic. Obviously, Felony Friday, a lot of issues uh, come up on that show about not having the right to vote anymore once you're a felon for all these ridiculous felonies that exist. So again, that's a good thing. But at what cost? He wants to address justice reform by ripping away the justice for people that are gun owners at this point in time, the people that want to go and converse freely online with other people, people that might just want to, uh, to have a conservative viewpoint or a right-wing viewpoint and get together in public. Because you can be assured if you want to crack down on right-wing organized crime, quote-unquote, well, then you're not going to be able to get together in groups and just hang out anymore if you're right-wingers, are you? No, of course not. that's now going to be viewed as something that has to be broken up, has to be stopped, has to be monitored, has to be spied upon. I mean, this is just, and of course, if they get in there and they start listening to whatever it is, just an open invitation to say, oh, well, these are now domestic terrorists. Something I'm going to talk about in just a minute. Oh, these are domestic terrorists. We have to go and arrest these people. We have to put them in jail. We have to keep them out of public eye for the safety of everybody else. I mean, this is classic authoritarian nightmare scenario that's being proposed here. And I had a conversation with uh, some buddies of mine this past weekend, both pretty left-wing, and the gun topic came up. You know, my buddy says, hey, why do you think we need all these guns? Why do you, Why do we need to have assault weapons and everything else? And I told him, I said, look, man, to protect against the government. And of course, he raises the old, just, you know, this old tired notion that somehow... An armed populace would not be able to protect itself from the government with all its weapons, all its fancy weapons. And I just simply stated to him, as you can just see by looking anywhere United States has been active militaristically in the last 30 years, we lose. We lost in Afghanistan. We're pulling out of there right now. We lost in Vietnam. We're losing, you know, by Iraq. We haven't won Iraq, have we? No. Syria, Well, we were there for a little bit. Well, that uh, didn't turn out great. Anywhere a motivated populace that is armed can indefinitely hold off some sort of governmental force despite the fact that they have vastly superior weaponry, technology. But it's like, you know, it's just amazing to me that people seem open to this concept of giving up basic fundamental rights in order to achieve safety from something that isn't even a true threat. Even when we look at 9-11 and what America had to give up with the Patriot Act and all of the the domestic spying apparatus that was put into place there, all of the restrictions and the infringements on liberty that we have to face when we fly, it's just, even that was something where you go, is this really going to happen again? Knowing what we know, seeing how this played out, what are the odds that this could happen? I mean, make minor corrections, locking the doors to the cockpits. That's a, that's a simple fix to it. Do we need this domestic spying apparatus? No. And we've seen the evidence because even in its own reporting, the head of the NSA had to admit, well, we couldn't link a single terrorist attack. We didn't stop a single terrorist attack because of the domestic spying. All of this network we put into place, PRISM and what all, you know, all these other acronyms that they had in place to listen to phone calls, to read your emails, to see your text messages, to see the web browser history, all the seven hops, you know, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon that the FBI was able to do with the the, uh, secret warrants they were able to obtain. None of that stopped anything. Because what happened was something that was such a one in a million. It just fucking came together for those nutty terrorists. Never will happen again. And we're seeing that same thing. A lot of these events, look, they're happening. I'm not denying that. But nothing you're going to do is going to stop them from happening again. Nothing. I don't care what measures you put into place until you address, and I'm not going to go off on a big tangent on this because I talked about it last show. until you address the basic culture, the basic core reasons for why it's happening, it's going to keep happening. You can't predict it. None of the laws they want to put in place would have stopped it. Doing mandatory, quote-unquote, assault weapon buybacks is just merely an excuse to take back gun rights, which the progressives want all along because they're authoritarian. So one more instance of the government cracking down on basic freedoms in the guise of protecting you from, quote unquote, terror or from a general fear. And we see this happens time and time again, because there is never a crisis that the government and people, these fucking leeches like Beto O'Rourke, don't see as a way to increase their own power, to increase the scope and power and oversight of government at the expense of individual citizens. When... Individual citizens can protect themselves from instances like this far better. There are already schools putting in place where people have guns on site. Teachers are allowed to have guns on site. I can guarantee you, you're not going to see any school shootings at those schools. Now, granted, I can make that statement knowing that these things happen so infrequently that, again, it's like a one in a million shot it would happen anyway. So maybe the odds are low it would happen at any given school, even if the school, if the teachers armed themselves with marshmallow guns, it's probably still not going to happen there. But knowing that someone's armed, you go in there, is enough to stop somebody in their tracks. And people like Bedro O'Rourke using this as an excuse to go door to door, to infringe on basic rights, and to make sure that the government has complete control Because I do agree that if you take away, maybe let's say quote-unquote assault weapons, right? You take away that sort of armament and force people in the country just to fight with handguns, maybe then you could have the government take over. Maybe then you just, it's impossible to fight back because then the armament's too high. But even so, I don't know, man. Even with handguns, armed population, you don't know who's a, a combatant, you don't know who's not a combatant, motivated to fight to the death, Who knows? The only thing I know is fuck Beto O'Rourke. Because, you know, you put this one thing in place, you say, oh, we're just buying back the assault weapons. Then it will turn to the handguns. Because the core issue remains, the violence is still going to occur because the culture is fucking poisoned. And it's just going to keep going down that slope until we get to the point where London's at, where you can't have any guns at all, and now you can't have any knives at all. You got to go around the spork. And even so... We still see people getting killed in London because there's no way to stop it. It's just one more thing that gives the government an upper hand, one more way to control people that accomplishes absolutely nothing except to make us weak and complicit if the government decides they ever want to crack down and turn us into a state like a China. If they want to crack down, turn us into a Venezuela, turn us into any of the places. I mean, obviously, We all know this. Hitler took away the guns before uh, Nazi Germany became what it was. It is always the prelude to the government doing the most horrific acts in history. It always starts with disarming the population. Now, here's something that's slightly tied in because I talked about the Patriot Act earlier. I talked about the spying that was put into place, the domestic spying apparatus, because they had to protect us from the evil terrorists that bombed us on 9-11 by flying the planes in the World Trade Center. Well, that sweet section 215 of the Patriot Act that allows for bulk data collection lives on under the USA Freedom Act. Of course, USA Freedom Act pushed through by who? Oh, Ted Cruz. Yeah, Ted Cruz, the guy who we all thought was a libertarian for, uh, for a hot second way back when, and uh, clearly is not. But that is up for renewal once more because they have to renew it every 90 days. And now this bulk data collection, they shut it down essentially because it was obvious to anybody that looked at any of the collection records that they were listening in to millions of, and millions of phone calls they were not intended to. These were people, as I mentioned, this hop system wherein, to put it very briefly, the hop system kind of works as in they have a terrorist uh, suspect or or a person of interest. They now can hop like five times, five hops from that person. And what that means is kind of like the Wayne's World, and they tell two friends, and they tell two friends, and they tell two friends. So you can imagine this exponentially gets so large that it encompasses every American easily within a few hops from the original source. Because if you're talking to one person and they talk to six people and they talk to 10 people, there you go. That's a whole country. Right there in a nutshell. So this crap act, this crap provision, which was exposed by Snowden back in the day, you all remember very well, they acknowledge it's flawed. They acknowledge it's infringing on the basic rights of Americans. They acknowledge that it's collecting all of this data, which they are not intended and not permitted to use. So they shut it down. They say, okay, we're going to revamp it. We're going to rework it, Right. Another report comes out saying that it's still not working. They still are getting millions of people's data because how could you not? How could you not? An outgoing NSA director, Dan Coates, is asking that it gets renewed once again. They're set to to expire in December. Now, Rand Paul has come out because he's good on this kind of thing. Rand Paul has come out and said, we need to stop this. We need to stop any of these renewals for the USA Freedom Act. We need to, just, to completely flat out reject Section 215, reject collection of bulk data, etc. But of course, the NSA is not going to allow that. Despite the fact that this program, they know it doesn't work. But he's saying that on the context of, well, what if it does work someday, that they have to keep it in existence? This is like if you're just sitting on a pile of flat uranium, you have no idea what to do with it. It's killing everybody in your town, but you're like, well, someday we're going to figure out how to build that bomb. Which I'm sure is how a lot of people have died in in third world countries that are uh, struggling to make nuclear weapons, by the way. But it's just, it's fucking absurd. So you want to keep something in place that is already acknowledged to be a massive infringement on every American's right to privacy, just because maybe you'll figure it out. Get the fuck out of here, man. I mean, if there's a wife beater in the house and the wife's like, well, I keep him in the bathroom locked up just in case he decides to treat me good someday. I don't think anybody's going to be like, you know what, Susie, that's a great idea. I think most people are like, bitch, you're crazy. Get that shit out of there. Cut that crap loose. But yeah, Dan Coates insisting on keeping that in place. And you know what? Mr. Bader O'Rourke, I'm sure, would have no problem with it. In fact, I'm sure he would apply that to every American in the right wing organized crime family that he's made up in his own little mind. And uh, there you go. Congress listened, or not Congress, NSA listened to every single call all over the place, all the time. Half of America wiretapped. And of course, because half of America knows the other half of America, all of America wiretapped. Thanks to your friendly neighbors at the NSA. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Denmark essentially owns it. So the concept came up and I said, certainly I'd be strategically it's interesting. Essentially, it's a large real estate deal. A lot of things could be done, but we'll talk to them a little bit. Hey, you heard the president. This is Jimmy Green from Jimmy Greenland's advanced sales for real estate in Greenland. If you want to come and get prime real estate for what is sure to be Green Card Land as soon as Donald Trump has his way, I've got a deal for you. In Green Card Land, your illegal immigrant stereotype can mean big bucks, ka Do you open a massage parlor? Well, guess what? In Green Card Land, happy endings for everyone. Do you have a taco stand? Don't worry, we don't care if it's horse meat. And don't worry about sex trafficking either. That's our secret. Visit GreenCardLand.com today. I did that special because someone brought it to my attention that the sons of bitches at the Friends Against Government podcast think that they have a monopoly on creating fake funny commercials, but as longtime listeners know, I've been doing this shit since the 90s. Ah, that's not true. I think I was watching Rockers Modern Life in the 90s, but since the early episodes of this show, I've been doing fake commercials. I just need to do them more often. And now I do more songs because you guys like songs. What can I do? I can't ass up for everybody, guys. I'm not a some sort of magical prostitute that's just full of holes for everybody to bang. Anyway, uh, with that smooth intro, here's a real commercial. We don't rise to the level of our expectations; we fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jujitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land 138. You can find all the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 138. Uh, coming back in, kind of all ties into what we're already talking about since we just talked about the Section 215, uh, but interesting article on Dig about what is the FBI hiding about its domestic terror arrest. And of course, this becomes very prominent when you've got people like Beto O'Rourke talking about cracking down on right-wing organized crime. But in the wake of the El Paso shooting, the FBI had announced that they had investigations into some 90 different uh, domestic terrorists with 90, I'm sorry, they did investigations resulting in 90 arrests. And this is uh, in press releases they put out saying that they were fighting this domestic issue, despite the fact that domestic terrorism is not really a thing. It's not like a a definitive uh, crime you can be charged with just yet. So they have to charge him with things, you know, it could be murder, it could be, uh, I don't know, conspiracy, it could be any number of things. But Truth Dig tried to get into this and ask these people, they asked the FBI spokesperson, they said, hey, where are the press releases about these arrests? Where do these things exist where I can find them and see what they're for, who they're of, et cetera. And it's pretty fascinating because this guy goes back and forth several times with the FBI spokesperson. They can't pull up the press releases, right? They point him to one resource. He finds five press releases about arrests that were related to domestic terrorism. Really, the only one he could find that actually had anything to do with trying to harm another American was somebody that tried to set off a bomb. So that's one out of these 90. So he goes back to the spokesperson. He goes, what's up? Where are the press releases? Where are the arrest records? Where is something I can find to say, okay, you're telling the truth or that I can see what you arrested these people for? The FBI says that they can't reveal that information. They basically push this person off and then they stop talking about it, right? It says they have no press releases. They were proud of this record, but yet when they're pressed on it to give actual evidence, there's nothing. So the question arises then, and this is the worrying part, did they actually make these arrests but are scared to release information about what they arrested people for, how they got them, You know, how they obtained information on what they were trying to do? Are they afraid of releasing uh, the data on what conditions they were arrested under? Again, is this falling under a simple association with some sort of uh, another terrorist group? Is this something based upon web searches? Is this based upon posts on social media? We don't know. And the FBI is not being forthcoming and telling us. It all circles around to why this entire concept is so terrifying of the government and the FBI trying to use social media to crack down on on quote-unquote domestic terrorism, why people like Beto O'Rourke saying they're going to target right-wing violence is so terrifying, why any government entity trying to amorphously define domestic terrorism, because you remember famously Obama suspended habeas corpus for people that were domestic terrorists, and they were, what was the exact phrase they used? Uh, An enemy combatant. A vague term, enemy combatant, that could not be defined even the government had no distinct definition for enemy combatant, but could be applied to domestic Americans right here at home. And by virtue of the fact that they were an enemy combatant, now they lose their rights to habeas corpus. They're They're black bagged off to a, a government black site. And that's maybe what happened to these people. Again, we don't know. Just things are getting worse. Things are getting scarier. And every Democratic candidate that's out there is making things uh, even more terrifying. Not that Trump's doing a great job either, by the way. Trump with his red flag law bullshit. Trump saying that he wants to crack down on social media. Trump saying that he wants the FBI to use online postings of presidents to try to track these people. All of this is big brother nonsense. And Americans simply have to say no. We're seeing things like this happen in the UK where people are finally standing up and saying enough of this big brother state. People in the UK are already getting their doors kicked in because they posted something on social media. We cannot let ourselves go down that road. All right. Let's turn our attention to the New York Times. The, uh, the old gray lady who has become such an embarrassment in her old age that she's basically just shitting her pants and pissing down the stairs like a slip and slide, just going straight into the basement where she should summarily be put to death. Uh, I don't mean to say that to entice t- anybody to actively try to do anything like that, mind you. I don't need anybody going and Charlie Heb doing people, but uh, try not to buy the New York times. And I say this because again, I talked about earlier this, this changing of the headline nonsense. And then this most recent leaked interior town hall that was held by Dean banquet, who took over as executive editor of the New York times, right? This was leaked, fortunately by a staffer, somebody that actually has some sort of journalistic integrity. And, You will absolutely just not believe the quotes coming out of this. It essentially is going to confirm everything you probably thought already. Just how the media has abdicated any concept of being uh, in any way unbiased, in any way fair, in any way just simply reporting the facts and has completely built itself around, we are going to attack and take down Trump. But there are a few exceptions, of course. But for the most part, a lot of the establishment media have just gone completely insane. So... With that in mind, let's go to some of these quotes. First one, we built our newsroom to cover one story and we did it truly well. Now we have to regroup and shift resources and emphasis to take on a different story. Now that, of course, is regards to the Trump-Russia collusion story. They built a newsroom. Think about that. We built a newsroom to cover one story. What kind of fucking shit publication adjusts its entire newsroom and the focus of its coverage, the way its employees work, the people who were reporting to cover one story, which anybody could see was nonsense from the get-go. So that's how he starts this off, this internal town hall. He goes on, and this is a little editorializing from the, uh, the Washington Examiner, but in the beginning of the Trump administration, the Times geared up to cover the Russia affair, Banquet explained, quote, Chapter one of the story of Donald Trump, not only for our newsroom, but frankly, for our readers was, did Donald Trump have untoward relationships with the Russians and was there obstruction of justice? Uh, And now I'm I'm breaking off from his quote. This is at the beginning of the Trump administration. Was there obstruction of justice? That wasn't the question at the beginning of the Trump administration. The only question could have been if there's Russian, Russian collusion, which there fucking wasn't, and the Mueller report made that very clear. So there was nothing about obstruction there. But yet, of course, he has to project forward that Donald Trump cannot be an innocent. Moving on back to the quote. Quote, that was a really hard story, by the way. Let's not forget that. We set ourselves up to cover that story. I'm going to say that we won two Pulitzer Prizes covering that story. And I think we had covered that story better than anyone else. Can you fucking believe that? Two Pulitzer Prizes covering a story that empirically nothing was there. How do you win a Pulitzer Prize covering nothing? It doesn't even make sense. You might as well be writing fiction. They literally won the Pulitzer for journalism for writing fiction. Oh, okay, moving on. Quote, the day Bob Mueller walked off that witness stand, two things happened. Our readers who want Donald Trump to go away suddenly thought, holy shit, Bob Mueller's not going to do it. And Trump got a little emboldened politically, I think, because you know, for obvious reasons, and I think the story changed. A lot of the stuff we started talking, uh, talking about started to emerge like six or seven weeks ago. We were a tiny bit flat-footed. I mean, that's what happens when a story looks a certain way for two years, right? I love this, the story changed, right? That's the way the, st- the story looked for two years. Didn't look that way to me. Looked like a goddamn circus to me. It looked like a man that was clearly set up by the deep state, by a FISA warrants, by a nonsense investigations from the FBI, that fell apart very predictably. So amazing that this vastly respected journalistic organization was caught flat-footed when idiots like me, drunken dipshits, drinking wine and podcasting about libertarian issues could see it from a mile away. Now then, next, Banquet continues. I think we've got to change. The Times must write more deeply about the country, race, and other divisions. Oh, what a shock. What a sh- so. Let me get this right, Dean you failed trying to take Trump down with this narrative about Russian collusion. And now like every other establishment shill leftist paper or organization, now you're going to pivot to racism. Is that, that what I'm hearing loud and clear? Okay, cool. He continues. I mean, the vision for coverage for the next two years is what I talked about earlier. How do we cover a guy who makes these kind of remarks? How do we cover the world's reaction to them? How do we do that while continuing to cover his policies? How do we cover America that's been so divided by Donald Trump? Listen, to this. How, do we con- how do we do that while continuing to cover his policies? Exactly. How do you do that? How do you try to paint a man as a racist while continuing to cover his policies? Because we saw you're happy to change a headline to something dishonest to paint a narrative around what you want to talk about, namely gun control, trying to paint him as a racist who, uh, who incites people that are white nationalists to kill minorities. So I think you figured out how you cover it. You cover it badly. You cover it like a joke, like you already have. And then he goes on to talk about the headline in general, and just the vision for the paper, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this was not something that was supposed to be uh, released to the public, by the way. I'm sure you would presume that. So again, thanks to whoever leaked it. But just the insanity here. That this man was named to one of the most powerful news organizations in the world. One of the most respected that built its brand on reporting the news accurately, reporting the news fairly, straightforward. And now he's basically telling his newsroom, look, we're just going to go full editorialization. We're going to pretend to cover the president's policies fairly, but we're going to try to paint him as a racist and a bigot. We're going to try to put him in the worst possible light. We're going to try to highlight the divide that we think that he's caused in America. Never mind. Never mind that the goddamn media reporting in this fashion is causing the divide. I don't like a lot of things about Donald Trump, but I'll tell you what I don't think. I don't think he's a racist. I don't think the man's a bigot. I don't think the man uh, is going out of his way to to somehow uh, attack minorities. And the narrative that he does is one that is purely invented by media outlets like the New York Times. All of the divisiveness in America comes from these outlets It comes from people not talking to each other. It comes from fucking funneling of big organizations like Google that feed people the news that they want to see rather than the the news as it exists. Granted, I don't even know you find the news as it exists anymore. Everyone seems to have a bias and that's it. Even when you read AP stories now, the, the choice of the language they use paints the picture they want you to see. President Trump used in... Uh, inciting language today in a speech. That's sort of stupid nonsense where it should just be, here's the president's remarks, quote. So it's sad to see, again, from a, a perspective of somebody that works with the media often, it's sad to see this kind of thing happening. And honestly, it even impacts the way in which I operate and I you know, work my own job. I'll give you an example. You know, we work with an organization, they're a global organization that works to uncover uh, instances of violence and genocide. For example, they started off working, finding Jews that were killed in the countryside by Nazis, not in Auschwitz, but outside, right? These Nazi death squads, they'd go town to town, shoot people, put them in a mass grave, move on. Wasn't really documented well. So these people are going around doing that work. Amazing stuff. Now they're working with the Yazidis. The Yazidis were massacred uh, in, you know, in Iraq, Northern Iraq, by ISIS, they're documenting that, they're working with survivors, they're helping these people get back on track, all led by this Catholic priest. Amazing story, right? Catholic priest finding Jews, helping Jews, helping Muslims. Amazing. Hard to find a home for it unless, and we talked about this at my firm, unless we tried to paint this as something where it's anti-Trump. And we decided we're not going to do that because it would be dishonest to do it. The organization is not political in that way. But I'll tell you what, People have told us in newsrooms, they literally have said to us, well, you know, unless this ties into Trump or something like that, my readers just aren't interested. CNN, for example. It's just, it's really sad to see, honestly. And it's just happening more and more. You know, I, I, I really wish I knew of an honest news source that you could follow nowadays. It used to be, you know, BBC was my default, but even now they've just become far too left. And now with the rise of Boris Johnson, uh, they are going to be uh, vocally in opposition of any sort of uh, right agenda uh, or anything that's even center agenda. They're going full left. So sad world guys. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up because it is very hot in here, but I'm going to wrap it up with a funny story ties into this whole concept because I do not have AC. You guys know that I've talked about it before. However, A uh, news story out of 10 News. Where the hell are these people out of? St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, right by where my parents live. They did a report on Consumer Reports and the recommended settings for air conditioners from Energy Star, which of course is from the Department of Energy and the Environmental Protection Agency. This report says that you should keep your house at a temperature for optimum power usage and, you know, good for the environment of the following. And you are not going to fucking believe this. 78 degrees when you're at home. 85 degrees when you're at work or away from home. And a nice, cool, relaxing 82 degrees when you're sleeping. Now, let me ask you this. In an era where anytime there's a heat wave, we read reports of old people dying off in the bucketfuls. I mean, just... I made this joke on stage before in my stand-up, and I think it's pretty funny. If you were a serial killer and there's a heat wave, you should just go to old folks' homes, put some water bottles onto people's chests, and then just claim them, because you will kill thousands. But these people at the EPA, they want to tell you to keep your house at 82 degrees in the summer when you're sleeping? Old people be dying! Not only that, but my God, you'll just lie, there sweating your ass off. How could you sleep? I can't sleep when it's 72 degrees in my room. My cooler, my, I have an air conditioner in my bedroom. That's the only place I have it. That shit, if it's not at like 67, I can't sleep a wink. I'm lying there sweating. You know, you put this, the, the thing on a little bit across your stomach, then you take it off. You talk it over your legs. Then your legs are sweating, touching each other. You can't even have your legs touch each other. What do they want from us? What about your dogs? Oh my God, I, if my dogs are sitting in an 82 degree house all day, or 85 degrees, I mean, it's a little better than leaving them a hot car with the windows up, but it's not that much better. Still going be sweating their asses off, panting. Walk home, two dead dogs. Cook them up for dinner on the barbecue. Don't want to cook inside the house, too hot. Just, it's like, it cracks me up because it's literally as though we're going back in time, right? We make all these advancements as a society. We get to the point where human beings can conquer the Earth's fluctuations in temperature. And yet, the scaremongers want to tell us Nope, you have to give up all of these technological advancements, guys. Sorry, can't do it. That AC that you love? Nope, nah, can't have it anymore. Earth's getting too hot. You got to lose your AC. <laughs> Seems counterintuitive. <bit> <laughs> you know that flying around we do to get places really fast? Nah, you can't do that anymore. Earth's getting too hot. Got to go back to walking places. Dying of typhus on the way. Getting caught in streams. You better shoot some ox on your way there, buddy. But watch out because three of your kids are going to die by the time you get to Oregon. Wait, this is just madness. Absolute fucking madness. And what, are they worried about the energy grid? Suppose we're, we're to believe right now that the energy grid can be supported by renewable energy alone, right? That's what we're led to believe. Meanwhile, if you do research into it, it's clear that the renewables cannot possibly support the energy grid as is. You need fossil fuels because fossil fuels store easily. Renewables do not store. The minimum you would need to keep the energy grid going if there was any sort of problem... No way you can do it with renewables. But now, in the meantime, guys, make sure, sit in your bedroom, sweat your sheets up, don't get close to your wife, don't even give her a hug or a kiss because you know your lips will meld together like some sort of uh, dystopian Cronenberg monsters or something out of the Hellraiser where they wrap the guys together and their lips are entwined. Do you want to be melded to your wife forever? Look, I love my wife, but I don't want to be melted to her together in some sort of lump. Anyway, keep your AC high and keep your love of liberty higher. That's going to do it for this show, guys. I am uh, I am just goddamn disgusting right now covered in sweat. So from me, Brian McWilliams, from Electric Liberty Land and from the Lions of Liberty, always stay plugged into liberty.